Welcome back to the 66th episode of the Professor Penn Podcast. David Penn here. Good evening to you. It's another week, and uh, I hope you're well. Hope you had a good weekend. I want to thank Free People Radio, as we always do, for giving us this platform to be together. I appreciate it, and I hope you appreciate it. Please visit the Free People Radio website, freepeopleradio.com. There's many ways there for you to support this broadcast and support Free People Radio, and we need your support. We have a pretty uh, ongoing dialogue around the campfire here about how we're going to keep this thing going because it's an expensive uh, enterprise, and uh, we really don't want to be super commercial. We really are hoping that we can have uh, the support of the audience directly to what we do here at Free People. And if we get that, we're good to go. We, we really are, are expanding very quickly. Our content's expanding. Our audience is expanding. Thank you very much. And uh, for those of you who have started putting uh, kind words in the, uh, in the live chat and in the comments section for me, really appreciate it. I, I, uh, I've noticed some people praying for me, and, uh, boy, we need that because, uh, well, I, we, I need that. See how embarrassed I am to receive those prayers? Uh, it's um, quite gratifying to have an opportunity to work with you. It's uh, turned into quite an interesting process, and uh, we really appreciate the support. Spiritual, material, whatever support you can give free people, thank you very much. Uh, TireGet.com, this is another way for you to support these broadcasts. TireGet is a online e-commerce retailer. It has everything you need for tires. Uh, we're, we're going to be having all of the major brand tires at the right price, the right price, low-cost tires. We're going to deliver them to your local tire dealer at no extra charge, which means you can make an appointment and find the tires that you buy online at your local store where they will put them on for you. We have thousands and thousands of locations to serve you, to serve the American public, which we hope that public is increasingly becoming tuned into politics and to the importance of having a country called the United States of America. So how we're going to fund is your support spiritually, materially, and please buy your tires from us. You've got to buy your tires from someone. When you buy them from Target.com, you're funding this broadcast. PrecinctStrategy.com. You know, the whole point of this, from my perspective, what I'm doing here with you, trying to find out what words that will come through me, what I can say, what I can speak that will motivate each and every one of you to get involved. Your involvement in listening and, and viewing is critical, uh, shows the interest, you're, you're acquiring information. We're seeking truth together. I'm seeking my own truth right with you. It's a kind of a revealing process. And it's a great process, clarifying my thinking. Uh, but really, it's, it's really incumbent upon us as the American people to decide whether or not we want to save our freedom, save our country, save our future. That's my perspective. Of course, I have a rather jaded perspective. But, you know, the, the people that lead the country continue to remind me that I'm not jaded enough. We'll be covering this later in the week. I was watching on 
NBC's Meet the Press on Sunday morning. And people are going to say, why are you watching Meet the Press? Because you must know what everybody's thinking. We can't get pigeonholed into this media channel or that media channel. I look at media from all over the world. Meet the Press is the longest-running show in the history of broadcast television. It has a storied tradition. Uh, they had on Hakeem Jeffries, who is the House Minority Leader of the Democrat Party. And they're sitting there waiting for the Republicans to stumble. And I watched him say something that made my blood run cold. Hakeem Jeffries and the Democratic Caucus is working with the Democrats and the Republican Party. In other words, the uni party is going to assert control. And Jeffrey said something that reminded me of the Enabling Act of 1933. He said that he would be happy and the Democratic Caucus would be happy to help the Republican Caucus end their civil war in exchange for certain rules being modified so that the extremists could no longer stop the legislation that the American people need. In other words, our entire system of governance is based on protecting the rights of the minority, which is precisely what the Uni Party wants to eliminate. They're seeking one-party rule. They almost have it. So the only way we can as the American people, maintain our freedom is by our own self-governance, our own involvement in the process, and, and I believe, prayer. God is our, our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Well, we have to let that be. When David wrote that, it was at a time when the life expectancy was 35 years. People uh, lost their children frequently. They had big families. They lost a lot of children. They buried their own children. They buried their parents. A simple break of a bone could mean death. People lived 
with a much different consciousness about what was important because matters of death were right in everyone's face. Um, what we've done in modern life was, is we've been able to push death to the side. We haven't conquered death after all. I mean, look at these, these horrible images we're seeing from the Middle East. Or when we go to the uh, senior living facility to visit a parent or an aunt who has been warehoused on their way to death. Uh, we don't do these things at home anymore, um, much to our diminution. Uh, we're less as a people when we get so far away from truth, the truth of our life and our death. When people see death repetitively, it, it, um, it brings the other world or the spiritual world into much closer contact. The running after material things seems a little bit less um, viable as a strategy to hold back life's terrors. And also, let's remember when David wrote this, there wasn't much material life. People were happy to live in harmony with nature, to have a full belly, to have water. Their ambitions were much less. And of course, in this particular psalm, um, David is talking about Israel. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Well, this brings up the idea or the concept or the issue of Jewish identity. And at this time when America seems to be going all in, some 65% of adults support this war, although there's a big difference in the cohorts, older people are all in on the war and younger people are not in on supporting Israel. And that would be very obvious as to why because of the uh, focus on colonialization and decolonialization in the schools and the characterization of Israel as being a settler colony. And I've used those words myself because, hey, when people come from outside and take over, that's called a settler colony. So this narrative is very powerful among young people, and Israel and the Jewish people don't have the support of the youth of this country that they do of the older cohorts. But does that really make any difference? No. No, because the people that run the country, the people that we elect, or that are elected, um, the people that win the election, the people that are given the mantle of leadership, they're very disconnected from what the people want, and I don't really know that they are considering what the people need. And I think when we, the people, start to stand and protest, I, I talked to a, of a very talented young daughter. She's 18. Uh, she's in her senior year of high school. Uh, she's the uh, homecoming queen of her school. She's the best student in her school. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's articulate, and I went out to lunch with her yesterday, and I told her she should quit everything and just lead her generation into the pro, a, a war protest. 
She looked at me like I was a little goofy. But you know, the young people, what are you going to have left after this for your future? Because the military-industrial complex, right, wrong, or indifferent, let's just look at the facts. We're f- there's two wars now that we, the people, are funding, the war in the Ukraine and the war in Israel or in the Middle East. And there's more wars yet to come. Do we really believe that our life will remain unchanged when we're at war? Do we not understand that the quality of our life will be diminished? And that's if we survive. So I asked this young daughter, who's very talented, to please lead her generation to a protest of the war. Because I remember when I was her age, hey, we were in the streets. It was the Vietnam War. We were opposed to the war. What are the young people thinking now? I, you know, I guess they have things to distract them from the truth. And the truth is, we're sliding into a world cataclysm. So if I seem uh, not funny, complicated, serious, you know, I spent the weekend watching what was going on, and what I see is, the spreading of war and rumors of war and the uni party moving to take complete and utter control of my life and the lives of the people that I love in your life under the guise of the dysfunctionality of the Republican party. And we're going to talk a lot about this week about the narrative about the Republican party. And what's that narrative? That narrative is there are extremists, mega extremists, that are making it impossible for the Republican Party, or as Joe Biden likes to say, this is not your father's Republican Party. Of course, he got that from the right that was saying, this is not your father's Democrat Party. Because, you know, they're going to use whatever they can use to discredit, to deflect, to advance a narrative that a small group of people that actually are concerned about my well-being are extremists. They're rageful. They're lustful. They need to be out of, just discredited out of hand because they're gumming up the works of war. And uh, I have to reject that and we're going to talk a lot about that this, this week, and we're going to get focused on what we can do as a community to stay alive together. Well, let's talk about Nazis and Jews. I find this really interesting, Nazis and Jews. Nazis and Jews together. Isn't that liberal? Let's take a look at this um, piece, uh, the, ho- the House GOP uh, stalls push for linked Israel and Ukraine aid, Tanner. Thank you very much. So look, seen some of those statements this weekend, uh, and we're going to continue to be very clear. We believe they're wrong. Uh, we believe they're repugnant, and we believe they're disgraceful. Uh, our, our condemnation belongs squarely with terrorists who have brutally murdered, raped, kidnapped hundreds, hundreds of Israelis. Uh, There can be no equivocation about that. There are not two sides here. There are not two sides. Uh, President Biden has been clear on where he has stood. You heard him. You heard from him directly. You stop it just for a second. 
When we start talking about there's not two sides, that's a green light for one side to do whatever they want to do. Please continue. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre yesterday with a sharp response to a question about lawmakers who have not issued full support to Israel. Several Democrats have so far only issued statements calling for a ceasefire and de-escalation. The Biden administration, meanwhile, is considering advancing USAID to both Israel and Ukraine, and in doing so in a single package. Many House Republicans, however, have voiced skepticism of that idea. Joining us now, Democratic Congresswoman Sydney Comlogger-Dove of the state of California. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, let's start there with what we just heard from the White House press secretary, um, sort of calling out some lawmakers who the White House doesn't feel like have been um, appropriately supportive of Israel. What is your message to some of your colleagues who are sounding those tones? I come from a district that has a very vocal uh, and diverse, politically diverse Jewish constituency. I have said repeatedly, I am in full solidarity with them as we stand with Israel against these terrorist attacks by Hamas. Last night at our Democratic caucus, people were united, and I think uh, the president was crystal clear in our unwavering support of Israel, making sure they get the aid place? they need. Okay, so we're right right into the propaganda. There is not unwavering support for Israel in the Democrat caucus. The Democrat caucus is deeply divided about supporting Israel. You don't have to look very far online to find Democrats speaking out against Israel and in support of Hamas. So they're just going to advance this dialogue here on MSNBC. This is the primary... Um, distribution platform of the globalists. Here we have a woman who is uh, elected uh, to serve in our Congress. Uh, let's just watch her and see what we think of her. Please continue. Making sure we're getting the hostages out and making sure everyone is working in accordance, democracies are working in accordance with international law. So certainly though, the U.S.'s ability to support Israel is hampered by the lack of a Speaker of the House. Mm. We just talked earlier this show about that process. It, in some ways, begins in earnest today, but there's sort of an expectation that it may not conclude today. What is your sense as you talk to your colleagues across the aisle as terms of when we might see a new Speaker? Well, Democrats are squarely 100% behind Hakeem Jeffries. You know, we are open to a bipartisan path forward, right? Stop, With, please. Uh, this bipartisan path forward, of which Representative Kamliger Dove is speaking of is so reminiscent of the enabling act of 1933 when the Nazis were elected into the Reichstag and then because of an emergency, you remember their government center burned to the ground under suspicious circumstances, Hitler, to protect the safety of the people, had to gain control of the entire government. And they actually went about outlawing, outlawing their opponents. And we're going to see this in the uh, podcast today. Uh, Hillary Clinton has called for the deprogramming of people that are Trump supporters. A lot of talk about Trump supporters being cultists. Cultists. Okay, we're going to unpack that over the next few podcasts. But what is this woman saying? She's saying that Democrats stand ready for a bipartisan solution, and they want Hakeem Jeffries 
to be the new Speaker of the House. And they're working for it. You know, the Republican mega extremists, Matt Gates and company, did reach, they did extend out over their skis to make a point that we have to have fiscal responsibility or we're going to lose the country. Okay, that's my opinion. That's my read on it. That's Professor Penn's opinion. What this woman and her group are doing is they're going to take that extension of energy and they're going to get the Republicans out over their skis. And if they can get away with it, they're going to put Hakeem Jeffries in with the help of who? Some 55 Republicans in name only who are actually for the good of the country. For the good of the country are going to vote so that we can move these spending bills ahead to fund the Ukraine and Israel wars. This is the uni party, the war hawk party, the party of empire, closing ranks in front of all of us. I mean, you know, they're not even hiding anymore. Watch this and see if this will motivate you to go be a delegate because they are going to take complete and utter control of our government by changing the rules of governance and removing the protection for minority opinions. Please continue. I think some Republicans may push back on that. (laughs) That's true. But the reality is these Republicans are petty. They're petty and they're pyromaniacs, and they set fire to Congress at the worst time. Stop, please. Okay, so men and women who stood up for this country, knowing that a $2.5 trillion annual deficit, $35 trillion of debt at the end of the Biden term, $2 trillion every year. They have identified that this is going to make every American citizen poor and destroy our currency and lead to all kinds of events that are bad for Professor Penn and bad for you. And they stood up and they're pyromaniacs. So we've reached a point in our narrative where people standing up and saying, we can't run a $2 trillion deficit every year. Are the pyromaniacs, not the people who run the military and who are running the government for the military industrial complex, who are burning the country to the ground in pursuit of profit. This is how goofy, how misled, how confused, the confusion in the American people It will only be solved when you talk to your neighbor and say, really? I thought $50 trillion of debt would destroy the country. Not people standing up and saying, stop, stop digging the hole. Oh, the pyromaniacs, please continue. Get it together today? Absolutely not. They've proven that ego is far more important than the national security of this country or the security of our allies. There we go again. There we go again. Please stop. They're going to take a principled stand against the military-industrial complex and the debt that it's causing, and they're going to say it's all about their ego or about their lust. Please continue. Who announced candidates, uh, Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise. Um, Do you think either of them would be an effective leader, someone you guys could work with? No. So one is an acolyte of David Duke, and the other is a sycophant of Donald Trump. 
Um, neither of those folks, to me, uh, would be palatable to my district, and I don't think either of them understand what it means to build consensus. And certainly there are some who believe that neither of them can reach that number of votes needed. Um, so let's talk about aid, though. Uh, we just mentioned the White House has, has floated the idea of trying to connect uh, Israel and Ukraine aid. We know that um, there are some voices, they have been for some time now, on the Republican side, who are leery of sending much more money to Kyiv, um, this might be a way to do that. What is your, A, what do you think of the idea, and B, do you think it can pass? I think it's a very strong idea. I think there are many Republicans that also support it as well. Enemies do tend to work together. We know that Hamas is responsible for these attacks against Israel. They have close ties with Iran. We also know Stop that Russia is... When she says enemies do tend to work together, she's talking about Democrats and Republicans. We're enemies now. Isn't that interesting? And, I mean, I just listened to this go on and on and on. The, if you could listen to every Democrat addressing any audience, they're saying the exact same thing. They're in lockstep. Please continue responsible for uh, compromising the security, the safety, the sovereignty, the independence of Ukraine. Uh, they also have close ties with Iran. It makes sense that we work with our allies and our partners who are democracies and get them the aid that they need to upstand their countries and to beat back the terrorists, quite frankly, and the autocrats that don't care about democracy. So, I mean, you just you just voiced it, a strong support for both Ukraine uh, and Israel, strong support for democracies. But what sort of message do you fear it sends to the rest of the world when they look at Washington and they see this infighting? And again, let's put the, we'll put it squarely on the House of Representatives, the Republican-led House of Representatives, that can't come together with a speaker or an aid package. What, how, what, what are your worries about the message that sends to the rest of the globe? I think it's incredibly destabilizing. It's emboldening our enemies and it's raising real concerns for our allies and our partners. You know, I'm concerned that Europe is saying, hey, I don't know that we can, you know, bet on the United States anymore. Stop. And I just don't Stop. Hallelujah. Europe is becoming concerned that they can no longer use me. Oh, this makes me very happy. There you go. She says it all. Probably educated, we should look it up. Probably educated at an East Coast, Atlanticist University. Screw the Europeans. All they've ever done is rob us, manipulate us, take advantage of our youth and our inexperience. We're going bankrupt for these people. That's their goal, to break the American people, to make us no longer free, to end America as I grew up knowing her a place where I could believe in God, where I could use that creativity that God has put in me to create the world that I want to create for myself and the people I love. Oh, they're breaking that. They're making sure that that becomes impossible. Impossible. Please continue. I think that's a position that we want to see ourselves moving into. All right, Democratic Congresswoman Sydney Kumlocker-Dove of California. She sits on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. We're grateful for her expertise this morning. Thank you. Tanner, you know, I'm going to make an ad hominem attack. I don't agree with this, making ad hominem attacks as a usual thing. But I want to just point out, this woman is dumb. Dumb. Not a single original thought came out of her head. She's a syncophant. She says that the Trump people are cultists. The Trump people 
have some novel ideas like bringing back manufacturing so we have good jobs, closing the border so we have a country, you know, novel, novel ideas. Something a little different than globalism, which this woman is completely down with. And uh, she's on the House Foreign, uh, Committee on Foreign Affairs where we need our smartest, most creative, hardest working people that are going to interface the United States with the rest of the world. And here we have a person that is all about democracy. And we don't have to ask. We know she's for climate change and she's for social equity. But how does she square that circle of social equity with the war with Hamas? Because aren't the Israelis a settler colony? You know, the narrative's going to start breaking down in here. We're going to watch how they spin it. They got a problem. Let's help them get out over their skis. Let's help them fall down. Next piece, please. This is, this is how things start to break down. As the Russia-Ukraine war drags on, Russia President Putin's campaign has been built in part on the claim that he's denazifying Ukraine. It's an allegation vehemently disputed by the other side. On our search for the facts, we learned one thing for certain. Today, there are Nazis in Ukraine. For context, we head to Germany to consult an expert on extremism in Ukraine and beyond. Allegations of a Nazi element in Ukraine and supposed evidence of their heinous acts circulate on social media. In Germany, I consulted an expert on right-wing extremism and a critic of anti-Jewish sentiment, Professor Haya Funke. Does extremism bloom when there is economic distress and a lot of chaos? Yes. Extremism is blooming when there are crises, as they are now, when there is war, as it is now. So, Funke uh, says Ukraine's Nazi history dates back before World War II to a man named Stepan Bandera, who collaborated infamously with the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or Nazis. Stepan Bandera was the leader of the most radical Ukrainian nationalist during the Second World War. And he decided, together with Nazi uh, leaders, to fight against Jews, to fight against Polish people. Bandera is said to be responsible for killing scores of Jews in Ukraine. After the war, he left Ukraine for West Germany, where documents indicate the U.S. considered him a valuable intelligence asset against a common enemy, the Soviet Union and the spread of communism. After Russian agents reportedly assassinated Bandera in 1959, some in Ukraine elevated his memory to martyrdom, despite his Nazi ties. Those who applause, uh, applaud to, to uh, this kind of remembrance of uh, Bandera are still widespread in the West Ukraine. You have a lot of statues reminding, remembering uh, this person. In 2010, Ukraine's then-president Viktor Yushchenko awarded Bandera the title Hero of Ukraine, a decision condemned by Russia, Jewish groups, and Europe, and later overturned in court. A more recent high-level Bandera admirer, Ukraine's ambassador to Germany, Andrei Melnik, removed from his post last July in a scandal after he defended Bandera's memory. 
So interestingly, it was Putin who said there were Nazis still in Ukraine. Was he right, though, that there are some Nazis in Ukraine? Yes, but uh, he wasn't right because he generalized it, and that was totally wrong. Can you be more specific? Like, he, he made it sound like a bigger issue than it is? Yes, of course. It's totally wrong to say the, the Ukrainian society and the, the polity of the Ukraine uh, uh, is narcissistic. That's okay, that's good. Thank you. So the professor, the professor, has just drawn a distinction. There are Nazis in the Ukraine, but the whole society is, he used a word I'd never seen before, Nazistic. That's a great word. You know, I'm going to give you my theory. You don't need all the people to be Nazis. All the people of Germany were not Nazis during World War II. Just like in this country, we need 400,000 people to go into the Republican Party and make it an American party instead of a globalist party to make it a party that believes in God rather than a party that believes in money. Hey, we just need 200,000. There's already 200,000 people in there. We need 200,000 more people. Guess what? Those seats are empty. You know why? People don't want to be involved in politics. People don't want to be involved in politics in the United States of America. They don't want to be involved in politics in Nazi Germany. They don't want to be involved in politics in the Ukraine. But guess what in the Ukraine is going on? The people that run the show, the people that actually are taking the time to be involved in politics are Nazis. So it's not about numbers. It's about power. Who is controlling the levers of power? Who is manipulating the herd to go this way or to go that way? Because guess what? If the people were in power, there wouldn't be a war there. Because why in the hell would you want to be at war? Why would you want to be at war with your neighbor? You wouldn't. It's not a good life. Somebody, somewhere, in the halls of the United States government, in cooperation with Nazis in the halls of the Ukrainian secret societies, created the conditions by which there's a war. And here's what we have today. We have, we have the Democrat Party fractured on this, this Israel issue. Hey, there's a lot of anti-Israel people in the Democrat Party. It's being covered up. The longer this goes on, the clearer it's going to become. Young people don't support Israel. The squad doesn't support Israel. Like, for example, here in Minnesota, CD5, Ilhan Omar is definitely not a supporter of Israel. Rashida Tlaib, she's a Palestinian from Michigan, not a supporter. AOC, Ayanna Presley, and all the people in the Congress that they represent, which is lots of people. They're not for supporting the Israelis, but they are for supporting the Ukrainian Nazis. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And then in the Republican Party, we got a lot of Republicans that don't want to support the Ukrainians, but they'll support the Jews. I think things are a little bit confused. I would call this confusion. And what does President Biden do? Because he knows this is going on. He's going to put the Ukrainian military aid and the Israeli military aid in $100 billion package, which is going to sail right on through the Congress as soon as the Uniparty asserts control. 
and another hundred billion dollars goes right out the back door with uh, three to hundred, it's thirty billion dollars of profit, maybe forty, that's going to get taken right off the top. And you know, I was playing that thing on CNN a couple podcasts ago, if you remember it, Aaron Aaron uh, Aaron Burkett, I think her name is. Oh, these companies that make weapons are great for the American economy. Fantastic American jobs. So we got some confusion here. We have both parties now starting to fracture along axes that are predictable. But the uni party will assert control. It will only fail to reach its aim of complete domination of this country. One party rule, Glyiptoshung, they will only fail if every one of us does everything within our sphere of influence to maintain America. Just that simple. Well, let's look at how good these people are. The institution is falling, okay? The institution is falling. Let's look at how strong the bench is for the Democrat Party. Representative Catherine Clark, she's the House Minority Whip. Could you please play this piece with her? Thank you. It is an honor to be here with our entire Democratic caucus, with our chairman, Pete Aguilar, and our nominee for Speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. Stop, please. Let's just take this apart piece by piece. What was the key part here? She's letting you know as an American citizen that the Democrat Party is completely aligned and united. They're all good. It's the mega extremists that are the problem. Please continue. So what we're witnessing is that we have had nine months since January of chaos and two weeks of absolute paralysis. House Republicans have a choice on how to move forward. They can join us, the Democrats, and choose bipartisanship and allow common sense to win the day. Or they can double down on the extremism that has ground Congress and this House to a halt. Stop, please. Let us pray for the double down. This woman is going to demonize the belief that America is about the people of America and about the well-being of American citizens. She's going to demonize the handful of people that are standing up for fiscal responsibility. She's making a plea for bipartisanship, which is a plea for unipartisanship. Unipartisan. That would be one party, like the Nazi party in 1933. Please continue. With their nomination of Jim Jordan, they are choosing chaos. They are choosing even more gridlock, even more inaction in the time of immense and urgent challenges at home and abroad. Instead of choosing the American people, they are once again choosing Donald Trump. Stop. Let's get this Donald Trump thing off the table. Donald Trump is a politician. He represents some of the American people, and he represents them because he is promoting ideas which resonate 
with citizens. It's not about Donald Trump. It's about the ideas that Donald Trump promotes. But they want to make it about Donald Trump because, of course, he's not Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're going to wait for Jesus Christ to come up. And if Jesus Christ walked among us and sought the Republican Party nomination for dog catcher, they would say he was a Nazi. Please continue. Pause and think about who they are rallying behind. Jim Jordan's own colleagues have called him a legislative terrorist. He has voted to ban abortion nationwide with no exceptions for rape or incest. He has voted to shut down the government and force our troops to work without pay. Stop, please. Okay, there's a couple cultural fundamentals. Don't mess with a woman's right to have an abortion, and don't mess with the soldiers. And let's just think about what's the uniting factor there. I'm going to leave it for you, my, my, my co-seeker of truth. What's the uniting theme between an abortion and a soldier? Those are the fundamentals of our culture. Let's continue. Social Security and Medicare. He was directly involved in the right-wing coup that sought to overturn the 2020 election. Stop. Let's look at keywords. Right-wing coup. A coup. A coup? You know, a coup. Uh, You know, Professor Penn, from my vantage point, a coup. That's a joke. There was a bunch of people that were wildly inappropriate. I agree. Nuts. Coup? We're going to call this a coup. Okay. Keyword. They're controlling the keywords. And when you control the keywords, you can control a culture. Please continue. Every single turn, Jim Jordan has prioritized politics, power, fear, division, and hate over the American people. Stop. Classic Alinsky. Everything the Democrat does, she just blamed on Jim Jordan. Can you go back just like five, six seconds and let's listen to that again? Vision and hate over the American people. He has used his committee gavel to advance right-wing conspiracies while undermining the very institution that he serves, and he will inflict even more harm if he is allowed to have the speaker's gavel. Every Republican who casts their vote for him is siding with an insurrectionist against our democracy. Oh, stop, please. Every Republican that votes for Jim Jordan is siding with an insurrectionist. Are we getting where we're headed here? Do you know who I am? I'm an insurrectionist. No, I'm not. I love my country. I love the Constitution and the founding documents. I'm completely committed to the rule of law. Why, oh why, are the keywords being weaponized against American citizens? Please continue. But here's the good news. I want to thank my colleagues those assembled behind me and others who have been here standing with the American people. These are the leaders 
who are standing for a bipartisan way forward. These are the leaders that have allowed us tonight to stand between Jim Jordan and the speaker's gavel. Without their unity, without their commitment to the American people, the Republicans would have gone to the floor today and put an insurrectionist in the speaker's chair. House Democrats are united because we stand for those values. We stand for the values of the American people. And we work every day to make those ideals of liberty and equality and justice for all realities. We believe in the reasons that we were sent here. We believe in raising the voices who don't often have them in the, in the halls of power here in Congress. That Stop. is The amount of bullshit that is uh, being spewed forth here, I think this is a great place. Look at the look on this woman's face. Tanner, take yeah. a look at that woman. Yeah, no, I, I've been looking at her the whole time. I, I don't think she... The thing that's bothering me the most is how she keeps saying the other side is so divisive while using words as doing nothing but destroying everybody that's a part of the Republican Party. Yeah, well. They, she is the one devising if we're being honest. It's just, <laughs> it's so wild to me that she can say, you're being divisive. Because of this, I'm going to be divisive to you. Right. It's, yeah, there's, this is a very good analysis. And I think what I want to say when you look at this picture of this woman and then look at Hakeem Jeffries, the look on his face, and look in the woman that's standing next to her. These people, to me, to Professor Penn, and I, I reject ad hominem attacks, except when someone's coming to kill my ass. Then it gets a little ad hominem. These people are scary people. They're scary. That's a scary look. A person looks at me like that, something in my psyche says, whoa, where did she go to school? Who trained her? What secret society gave her that energy? Or Hakeem sitting there so placid. Where, where, where did that come from? These people are terrifying. We don't need any more of this. We're going to go on to the next terrifying. Because they're everywhere. Let's not just assign this to one side. Let's take a look at the other side. Because there's only one side. It's called the uni party. Let's listen to, uh, let's start at 525, please. Let me warn you tonight, you will succeed or you will fail together. That is undeniable. Still, McCarthy accomplished a lot, including a serious investigation into Biden's bribery, money laundering allegations, which is ongoing, an impeachment inquiry that is now picking up steam, an investigation into Biden's weaponized FBI and DOJ, multiple major pieces of legislation, including a border security bill that I just mentioned, a bill to stop Biden's plan to hire 80,000 new IRS agents, a bill to stop big government restrictions on gas stoves and other appliances, another bill to repeal the worst parts of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. But now, without a speaker, all matters involving stop the House a come to a... You know, these people depend on uh, the American citizens being so disengaged and so unaware of how politics works. Hannity just listed off all these accomplishments of Speaker McCarthy. There wasn't a single accomplishment there. Let me just share, because I realize people 
may not be following this close enough to know how our system of government governance works. Right now, the Republicans have a slim majority in the House of Representatives. The Democrats control the Senate and the presidency. The House can pass every bill that comes to its mind. They could pass a bill that every American citizen gets a trillion dollars. It doesn't matter what they pass, because when it goes to the Senate, it will never even be taken up as legislation. All they're doing is what we would call marketing. The one thing they can do is gum up the appropriations of money to fund a government that is wildly out of control with spending. That's the one thing they could have done, which they did not do. Kevin McCarthy, when he was put on the griddle, caved in, cut a deal with the Democrats, and there is unlimited spending for military matters to January 2nd, 2025. If they want to spend $50 trillion on going to war with China and Russia in the next year, they can do it. There's nothing to stop them. It's in the debt ceiling bill, which I have roundly criticized, and its chief spokesperson, Tom Ammer. It is a scam. So here's Hannity scamming his viewers. What a surprise. Making McCarthy into a very effective leader when, in fact, he did nothing but be a Democrat. Let's continue. Grinding halt. The GOP's investigations will be stalled. Zero Republican bills will be sent to the Senate. And Republican infighting, that'll take center stage, which is exactly what Democrats and the media mob desperately want, and they want to continue for a long period of Stop, time. Stop, please. Now, yes, we do. For all the people that watch me in Minnesota, for all the pleas in the Republican Party for unity, fuck off! We're not unified. You're going to kill your own children. I cannot be responsible for you being stupid or for you being in on it. That is not my problem. That's your problem when you go to meet your maker or when you have your last thoughts. Let you, the awareness of what you've done will not, you will not escape culpability for what you believe and what you're working for. You're working for an illusion. And to say you didn't understand it at this time in American history, that's not going to work because we can all see it now. We see a uni party asserting control in pursuit of war. I give all my support to the handful of people in the Congress that have the courage to fight for peace and for the safety and well-being of the American people. These leaders that have been elected, that for some reason when they get there, they sell out. So, I mean, they weren't sellouts at some point in their lives. Maybe when they were six years old, eight years old, there was a moment when they sold out. Like my daughter, I was talking to her. She's so beautiful and she's so smart. And she, she just was... Uh, voted in as homecoming queen as the most at the most important private high school in Minnesota. And I said to her, I'm simultaneously so impressed with you, and I'm sad because they're manipulating you. She goes, what do you mean, Dad? I go, because you are the master. She goes, what do you mean? I go, you're the master 
of being the top banana in the preparatory school for the status quo. Go protest. We have to protest. We have a a woman in our our live chats. I'm not going to mention her last name. First name is Susan. She always says, take to the streets. Susan, you are 100% correct. We need to take to the streets and peacefully protest and practice civil disobedience so that our leadership feels some pressure. There's no time for, there's just, we're out of time. I mean, it's just moving so quickly. I'm not happy today. I'm not funny. What is there to be happy and funny about? I'm losing my mind, actually, because I see what they're doing. Hannity, this guy, a propagandist of the highest order. Let's have a little more dose of his propaganda. President Trump earlier today, even in the midst of what's going on in New York, took time to post this on Truth Social. Why is it that Republicans are always fighting among themselves? Why aren't they fighting the radical left Democrats who are destroying our country? Oh, I happen to agree with the president. We Stop. are now. Okay. Sean Hannity, draw out the distinction that the rhinos in the party, the Democrats that are, there's so many Democrats, they sent them in the Republican Party. They act as if they're with the Republicans and with the American people. They are not nationalists. They are globalists. What Trump is saying is, how can those people continue to side with the Democrat? Why don't we have unity on the nationalist side? Why don't we have two authentically different political philosophies? And that's because when it's confused, when it's confused, nothing happens, and that allows the forces of evil to continue to pursue their end goal. Let's continue. You're away from the single most pivotal election of our lifetime. It's all on the line now. Democrats are destroying the rule of law. Equal justice, equal application of our laws is dead. And uh, by the way, as we've seen, Donald Trump and his family are now being targeted in ways this country has never seen before. Joe Biden and his family are shielded, protected around every turn by Joe's weaponized DOJ. The border is an absolute disaster, nightmare, national security risk. Our economy is a disaster. Americans are suffering more than at any point in my lifetime. Inflation is through the roof. Gas prices are through the roof and going higher, by the way. And our commander in chief has real significant cognitive issues that everybody in the world can see because it's that transparent. He is neither physically nor mentally fit to serve this country. House Republicans can't can solve their differences behind closed doors. How about you get in a room, you throw away your phone and uh, maybe you stay in that room, order pizza and don't come out until you agree. Knowing how important these appropriations bills were, I have a criticism. Why did the Republicans take off the month of August? In the end, this may all turn out fine. I'm not hitting the panic button tonight. However, the American people's patience, it will run out quickly here. And so the GOP, take my advice if you want. It seems a lot of people never take it. Be careful, and you better get a new speaker quickly. Democrats, they want you in complete disarray. They want a distraction away from their failed policies and their feeble president. And they'd really love a few moderate Republicans to peel off and actually vote for a Democrat for speaker. So will the GOP rally behind the new speaker? Will anyone even want the job? Or will this end in a disaster? 
I cannot answer that question tonight, but time will tell. We expect a vote on a new speaker sometime next week. Chairman Jim Jordan will join us in a moment. The first, here with reaction, we have former Speaker of the House. Okay, let's stop. So Hannity, because he's got a lot of uh, Trump constituents watching Fox News still. I haven't turned on Fox News in years, but hey, I'm not beyond using it as source material because we have to listen to a lot of different sources. He's just made a very kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, kind of a balanced reportage. He's talking about Trump and he's showing Trump and he's talking about the importance of the Republicans working together. You might actually think he's a nationalist, but let's see where Fox goes. Continue, please. Well, first, I think it's a very sad day because I think Kevin McCarthy is one of the most talented leaders I've ever worked with. I think that he accomplished an amazing amount for having a small majority and being having to take on both the Senate and the White House. And I think this is really a tragic outcome. Uh, this was a leader who both gained seats in 2020, gained seats in 2022, increased the number of women members, increased the number of veterans, increased the number of minority members, uh, and he had a vision for a better future. And let, let's be clear here, Sean. Uh, you know, if, if the University of Georgia Bulldogs were the number one team in the country right now, if you started a game and four of the members of the offensive squad decided they were actually on the Alabama side and began tackling your own people, you'd probably get them off the field. Well, think about what we saw today. Four percent, four percent decided they were so morally superior, so intellectually pure, so patriotically better that they would side with the Democrats. And that's what they did. Stop. In no, they did not side with the Democrats, you liar. This guy is right up there with Tom Emmer. When he talks, he lies. What really happened was, is Matt Gates understood the uni party. He understood that the Democrats would have to vote against Kevin McCarthy because as that original uh, piece with, uh, I can't even remember, her last name was Dove from the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee in the House. As she said, she can't uh, support either Jordan or Scalise because uh, one is a racist and the other one is a Trump Cinco fan. You know, these people have to vote. The Democrats, to go home to their constituents, have to vote against every Republican because all Republicans are Nazis. They're all racists. That's what they got there. They're not, they're, we're not dealing with two strains of American thought. We're dealing with globalists and nationalists. And that's just what it is. They didn't, he did not work with the Democrats. He exploited their very predictable lockstep rejection of anything Republican. Please continue. To defeat the entire Republican House caucus, 96% of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. 4% voted against him. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primary. Stop. Traitors. Traitors? Traitors. Keyword. Here's a keyword being used. What do we do with traitors? Do you know what we do with traitors? Do you know what they, do you know, Tanner, what we do with traitors? Get rid of them. We execute them. Yeah. It's a, an offense, it's a legal term that can lead to hanging. Please continue. It all be driven out of public life. 
What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos. We ought to be focusing on Biden. We ought to be focusing on the economy. We ought to be focusing on the border. Instead, you're going to get a week or 10 days of the media focusing on Republican disarray. It's an astonishingly destructive behavior. Stop. By this is the greatest thing that could happen to the United States of America if it was properly presented by media. What's going to be focused on is that there is a political movement in this country concerned about my well-being, about the well-being of my children, about the financial health of the country and my financial health. There's a movement that is not interested in forever wars or any further aggrandizement of military matters. This is a group of people that want limited ambition, that want to take care of America. They are not extremists. What's extreme is when the entire country is so brainwashed that we spend trillions of dollars every year to kill other human beings. That's extreme. When we, the people, are the aggressor in the world, promoting social equity, climate change, and democracy, such that if you don't agree with those three things, we will kill you. Please continue. Full of egocentric people who think they're superior to 96% of the conference. Look, I, I do think on, the, on, on Kevin's side, let me, let me analyze this more than anything else. It is hard to appreciate the very tiny majority that Kevin McCarthy was working with. You have moderate to liberal Republicans, 18 of them, you know, in districts that voted for Joe Biden. Um, they want to keep their jobs, so they're not going to be as conservative on a lot of these issues. So it's hard to bring a small caucus like that together. It's like herding cats. I wouldn't want the job. You couldn't pay me to do that job. Uh, there's no amount of money I'd take for that job. On the other hand, I do have a little frustration with, with Kevin, too. Why didn't he, as promised, go forward with the appropriations bills, regular order, which, by the way, you brought back when you were speaker that led to the, the first and last balanced budgets we had in, you know, decades on both ends. So um, you found a way well, to get that done. Why did they go away for August when they should have been? He knew this fight was coming. Why did they go away? Look, let me answer at two very different levels. First of all, the House, through regular order, has passed 70% of the government in appropriations. The Senate has passed zero. So Kevin actually was on a track, and in the next two Stop. weeks... Stop. Yes, Speaker Gingrich. This guy's name is Newt Gingrich. This guy was the Speaker of the House in the 90s. Uni party to the max. Uni party to the max. And, you know, out of his mouth comes the truth. The House could pass any bill it wants to. Pass a bill that they're going to give me a trillion dollars. It doesn't matter. The Senate's not going to take it up. There's already a debt ceiling bill, you lying son of a bitch. There's already a bill. The bill is going to result in maintaining the funding levels of the Pelosi Congress, which is from the COVID era which is almost $7 trillion a year in spending with a sequestration of 1% of the discretionary spending. The most they're going to cut out of this is $800 million a year. Excuse me, $800 billion. 
800 billion, less than, I mean, it's de minimis. It's a de minimis kind of thing. They just, it's just already baked into the cake. They're not going to do anything but take a tiny amount of money and not spend it at super elevated spending levels and continue to run up this deficit, which is going to destroy your life and my life. And he's defending this, and they're all defending it because they know we're dumb and we don't know what the game is. Please continue. Assuming they can get around to it, they will actually finish all of the appropriations. I think that was just baloney. Second, all of these 18 Republicans in the Biden districts, they actually voted for the two conservative continuing resolutions you described earlier. They voted for them, even though they were very conservative. <clears throat> Who killed them? The hard right. Why did the hard right kill them? Because they were against any continuing resolution. Well, if you didn't Stop. want the government... Yes, they were against any continuing resolution because a continuing resolution kicks the can down the, the road so that our financial, our fiscal issues are never dealt with. That was the whole point of what Matt Gates was doing. Yes, they stopped the Congress from avoiding the problem. They're forcing the Congress to deal with the issue, which is the military-industrial complex and the medical-industrial complex and all the money they're consuming and all the money that gets made off of this, which is the transfer of wealth from me and you to people we're never going to meet. They're going to make us into debt slaves and they're going to be living large as oligarchs. Please continue. If you didn't want the military not to be paid, if you didn't want the Border Patrol not to be paid, and the hard right says to you, I ain't doing nothing, what are you going to do? And Kevin did what you had to do, what I would have done, frankly, in his case. But it wasn't the 18 Biden districts that was a problem. That's true. It was the it was hardcore, not. hard right people. And those hard right I, I, people I want to go back home point. and explain. Why did they think this was better? No, but they need to be held to their feet to the fire. Why did they think it was better to be two solid, conservative, continuing resolutions that, as you pointed out, includes the border, includes deep spending cuts, did everything they claimed there for? You know why they did it? Because ultimately, Matt Gates, who hates, and let's be clear, he hates Kevin McCarthy, was determined. No doubt about it. To find a way to get well, to today. here it is again. Let me be no doubt about it, Sean. Stop it, please. No doubt about it, Sean. He, he's a lustful, rageful human being, Matt Gates. He didn't do this for the country. He didn't do this out of any principle. He, 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 he took the train off the track because he hated somebody. What a petty asshole he really is. Let's continue. They expel him from the conference. I would have gone along, yet Byron Donald's Freedom Caucus member, Scott Perry, Stop Freedom again. Caucus member. I, I interrupt Newt when his punishment to Gates and his co-workers is expel them from the conference. Expel them from the conference. In other words, no minority voices. Get rid of them. The Uni Party is going to move to do just that. Please continue. Chip Roy, who'll be on the show tonight, Freedom Caucus member. You know, they, they had two separate plans they put together, and you are 100% right. They were voted down by the conservatives. That would have been the perfect bridge and 
to get to number one, have cuts, have border security, cuts in spending, and get us to the holy grail, which was the appropriations Sean, bills that would have been completed. That to me was the answer. And no, they went against it. I don't know why. Right, but, con but consent, consider, well, you do know why. Consider. The moderates you described all voted for these very tough, very conservative bills. You're it was right. the hard right that voted against them. And people back home ought to take a look at how their member voted and ask, are you just terminally stupid? Do you, do you prefer to have everything screwed up? And in terms of the eight people who voted today with the Democrats, and let's be clear, they're not Republicans. They shouldn't, frankly, they should, I wouldn't, if I were Speaker, they wouldn't be in the conference. I'd say to them, you prove to me so, that you're so a loyal Hakeem Republican. Jeffries is because the conference ought to be for Republicans. Hmm? Well, then Hakeem Jeffries is Speaker. That, that doesn't work either. Well, listen, Hakeem will take the speakership if you give up the investigation of Biden, if you give up the effort to gut spending, if you give up the effort to stop regulations, if you give up the fight against woke policy. I mean, he's available, and maybe these eight guys would be more comfortable being with Hakeem Jeffries and that totally insane policy rather than pretending that they're Republicans. They better get this fixed fast. The patience of the American people stop. will run. Uh, the pretender of being a Republican is this son of a bitch. This guy's a Democrat. What they're not telling you is they can pass bills till the cows come home. It doesn't matter. They're going to go to the Senate and not even be voted on. The only thing that can happen here is that these brave legislators who probably are going to give up their careers They'll probably be indicted as insurrectionists. Who knows? They're bringing attention to the American people about this deficit and this debt. And, of course, that's completely being subsumed in this huge media control. We don't even know why they did it anymore. They did it because they were lustful and they were angry. What, a, what, a, what are we fighting here? Please go to your friends. Go to your relatives, talk to them, bring them to Free People Radio. Please, we need your support. Say, Tanner, you said something in the live chat last time that Professor Penn at my advanced age, I didn't understand. Something about click the like button and leave comments to beat the algos? Yeah. So, How does that work for the audience? Because I don't know. Okay. Well, um... So it's just, you know, YouTube, how they tell if they should push a video out is depending how well it's doing. And the numbers they go off of that is views, um, likes, and then the comments. So it really helps us if you guys leave actual comments. The live chats are live. Ugh. Live chats are great. And we love to have conversation with you guys. But if you can leave a comment down below, a permanent comment that will stick to the video and drop a like, that will help our videos get spread out to new viewers. And guess what? Now that I know that, which I did not, now you're going to think I'm scamming you, but I did not know that till just this minute. I actually go back into those comments and read them, and I leave my own comments. So let's have some fun. Please leave your comments. I will read them. I learn from them. I did not know it was going to help spread this content. Because right now, these people are controlling the media and what you think, what you're being told, what I'm being told, is that these people are gumming up the works. They're not gumming up anything. The works were done. Go back and watch Lie to Me, which is an episode I did backstream. Uh, 
It was done on the debt ceiling bill. This is all political theater. All Gates did was stand up and say, stop the theater, we're going broke. And look at how they're demonizing this guy. It's unbelievable. In fact, let's play from, because, um, you know, the empire's striking back here, right? The empire's striking back. So let's look at McCarthy on Gates, start at 1457, go to 16. Because he says it himself, he's still quarterbacking this thing. I don't think it says about the Republican Party. I think it says something about some people who are not a conservative. I mean, if you were a conservative and you only had one entity making the battle and you vote against securing the border, you vote against cutting fund, this wasteful spending, and then you partner with all the Democrats. Now, you'll phrase it all the other different ways. That's not a conservative. Every, look, you all know Matt Gates. You know it was personal. It had nothing to do about spending. It had nothing to do about everything he accused somebody of he was doing. It all was about getting attention from you. I mean, we're getting email fundraisers from him as he's doing it. Join in quickly. That's not governing. That's not becoming of a member of Congress. And regardless of what you think, I've seen the text. It was all about his ethics, but that's all right. That's good. Get it? It's all about his ethics. It's all about his anger. Great. Let's watch what Matt Gates actually said about his actions in the well of the Congress. Gates on McCarthy in debt. Let's listen to what the, let's not listen to the hearsay and the allegations. Let's just listen to the words coming out of the man's mouth. Mr. Speaker, my friend from Oklahoma says that my colleagues and I who don't support Kevin McCarthy would plunge the House and the country into chaos. Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody who we cannot trust with their word. The one thing that the White House, House Democrats, and many of us on the conservative side of the Republican caucus would argue is that the thing we have in common, Kevin McCarthy said something to all of us at one point or another that he didn't really mean and never intended to live up to. I don't think voting against Kevin McCarthy is chaos. I think 33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single subject spending bills is chaos. I think the fact that we have been governed in this country since the mid 90s by continuing resolution and omnibus is chaos. And the way to liberate ourselves from that is a series of reforms to this body that I would hope would outlast Speaker McCarthy's time here, would outlast my time here, and would outlast either of our majorities. Reforms that I have heard some of the most conservative members of this body fight for, and some of the reforms that we've been battling for that I've even heard those in the Democrat caucus say would be worthy and helpful to the House. There you have it, right from the man's mouth. So we can listen to the allegations, the hearsay, of Newt Gingrich and Kevin McCarthy and Sean Hannity, the story that they're creating, the narrative that they're creating around this event. Well, we can listen to the man himself. Seems to me, seems to me, that listening to the man himself, the words that are coming out of his mouth, 
our first, that's a far superior strategy than making up a story in our head about what's motivating them. Let's listen to what people say and go upon what they say. That's good enough. Like this one, deprogramming. Listen to this one. This will fire you up to end our podcast tonight. And tonight, in a brand new interview, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is telling CNN's Christiane Amanpour that Donald Trump will likely be the Republican nominee. And she's also issuing a stark warning about a potential 2024 rematch with President Biden. Listen. So for those outside this country who may not know, it is not so much a a, a fight between two different parties. It's an internecine warfare within one party, the GOP. Yeah. So when you look at how to go forward for the countries, you say, is there any area of coalition building that could happen? There are pragmatic Republicans, as you say. Could there be a new, a whole new way of trying to, you know, get legislation going and cross-party governance going by Democrats and certain Republicans forming a coalition? Well, you saw uh, the number of Republicans who voted along with Democrats to keep the government open. So there's clearly a common sense, uh, you know, sane uh, part of the Republican caucus in the House. Um, but I think they are intimidated. Uh, they um, oftentimes, you know, say and do things which they know better than to say or do. And it will require us defeating those most extreme measures uh, and the people who promote them in order to try to get to some common ground where people can, again, work together. That's the way it used to be. I mean, we had very strong partisans in both parties in the past, uh, and we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. Stop. And when you know, the intellectual dishonesty of this is so profound. He's only doing this for himself. The man's almost 80 years old. He's not doing this for himself. He's doing it for love of country. And to say that he's self-absorbed when he's been indicted, he's got 96 counts on him, and then blame him for fighting the counts, hey, that's, that's mean. That's intellectually mean. Please continue. Break with him. You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do that? Because you said you have to defeat them by defeating their leader, their leader oh, is stop. Donald Trump. Okay, so I take my marching orders from Donald Trump and Professor Penn as a cultist, and I need to be deprogrammed. And you know what? She's absolutely 100% serious about what she's saying. She believes this. And, you know, deprogramming, that's kind of a broad term. I'll tell you a great way to deprogram someone. Shoot them in the back of the head. They're permanently deprogrammed. That's the kind of deprogramming that is 100% successful. Because, you know, when you deprogram people, they can lie to you. They can slide back. You know, you don't necessarily know for sure they're deprogrammed unless you kill them. 
This person ran for president of the United States. She was first lady. Her husband was the president. She was a U.S. senator, and she's talking about deprogramming 75 million people. 75 million people going to get deprogrammed? She's deadly serious about this. That's why I'm doing these podcasts. And you know what's probably going to happen to me because how many of you have gotten up and joined your party or become delegates or how many people are pushing out the content or bringing new people to the podcast? Please click the like button and leave a comment. Please help us. Because what they're going to do to people that are speaking out is they're just at the right moment going to arrest us and kill us. And those people that think this is an extreme comment. I don't want to talk about our current leaders. Hey, I just want to talk about Nazis. Let's remember what happened in Nazi Germany in the 30s and 40s. Let's remember what's happened when we have philosophies that are godless, that are materialist, that view human beings as inventory, that view one race superior and another inferior. Let us remember the recent history of our planet. Let us be students of history. That's why we're doing this together. Please continue. Let's finish this. Even you have said that you expect him to be the Republican nominee. How does this change at all? At this point, I think, sadly, he will still likely be the nominee, and we have to defeat him. And we have to defeat those who are the election deniers, as we did in 2020 and 2022. Um, And we have to you know, just be smarter about how we are trying to uh, empower the right people inside the Republican Party. You know, Nancy Pelosi had a majority of five votes when she was speaker. Kevin McCarthy had a majority of five votes. Empower the right people. You know, I went through this right here in Minnesota. I went to a gathering of very wealthy people. I was brought there because they wanted to give me a message. And the message they gave me was, they're pro-abortion, and they're anti-God. That They were very upfront about it. They told me, and they were very clear about it, and two people were quite anti-Semitic on top of everything else. And they said the same thing. We need the right people in the Republican Party. Exact same words. The right people. That would mean those people that represent the interests of empire, of those people that represent the interests of globalism, of those people that represent the interest of the oligarchs, not the United States of America as it was founded, as we the people. These folks have learned how to use that as a bloody rag to manipulate we the people. Let's finish this. Nancy Pelosi passed consequential legislation. And she clearly had members within her caucus who, you know, ranged across a spectrum of political beliefs and ideology. And she kept everybody together and she kept everybody focused on the future. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do that. And so he paid a price. But more importantly, the country paid a price. And so when you see another matchup between potentially Trump and President Biden, what goes through your mind and particularly How do you process that this person who defeated you back in 2016 is still at it, given all that you've said? 91 indictments, you know, civil fraud, sexual transgressions, according to the courts. How how is this still happening? 
It's the classic tale of uh, an authoritarian uh, populist uh, who really has a grip on the emotional, psychological uh, needs and desires of a portion of the uh, population. And the base of the Republican Party, for whatever combination of reasons, and it is emotional and psychological, um, sees in him someone who speaks for them. And they are determined that they will continue to vote for him, attend his rallies, wear his merchandise, because for whatever reason, he and his you know, very negative, uh, nasty form of politics resonates with them. Maybe they don't like migrants. Maybe they don't like gay people or black people or the woman who got the promotion at work they didn't get. Whatever the reason, you know, Make America Great Again was a bid uh, for nostalgia to return to a place where, you know, people could be in charge of their lives, feel empowered, say what they want, insult whoever came in their way. And that was really attractive to um, a significant portion of the Republican base. Uh, so it is like a cult. And somebody has to break, the, uh, you know, <laughs> break that momentum. And that's why I believe Joe Biden will defeat him. And hopefully then that will be the end and the fever will break. And then uh, Republicans can try to get back to, you know, fighting about issues among themselves and electing people who are at least, you know, responsible and accountable. Get back to electing people that support the military and the medical industrial complex. That's what they want. And we're having a throwdown now. I mean, in a way, this is like the last of the Mohicans. Really, it's about us. It's about you and I doing something. A populist movement is exactly that. It's a people's movement. And the people are pacified with uh, cell phones and legalized drugs and distractions. And uh, they don't see the benefit to fighting and they don't see the cost of not fighting. And we have to tell them. I mean, we see it. We know it. That's why we're here together. So we need to spread this thing out. We need. I need your support of the station. Thank you for doing that. I need the like button clicked. I need the comments. I'm asking for you to spread the message. We've got a great community started. It needs to spread from a little tiny spark into a, a tsunami. I don't even want to use any of these adjectives because they're sitting around writing them all down, making a case on me. I just want to practice American politics where the people have a voice and the people's voice prevails. How many of you out there are for your freedoms to be taken away in the name of climate change and social equity? Is, is, is it worth it to give up our freedoms for safety and convenience? I mean, that's the question we're asking ourselves. These problems that we're facing right now today are not hard to solve. For example, the war in the Ukraine and the war in the Middle East. They're very easy to solve these wars. It doesn't even take diplomacy. Let me tell you what, what the scam is here. We, the American consumers, 
We got to take care of our families. We go to the big box stores on the weekends. We buy manufactured goods produced by Chinese companies. They make 20, 30% profit on that. We fund the development of their country by consuming their manufactured goods. We believe, a majority of us apparently believe, that fossil fuels are creating the end of the world and that we really got to get off of the fossil fuel thing. At least that's the Democrat idea. So fossil fuel exploration and extraction has been grossly truncated under the Biden administration. This drives up the price of oil. So we've got American consumers buying Chinese goods. The Chinese get that profit. They use that profit to buy oil from the Iranians. The Iranians use the profit on the oil to fund Hezbollah and Hamas, who then attack Israel, who's on our payroll. Huh? If Israel's really our ally, why wouldn't we be setting up the conditions where Israel wasn't having to be at war? If Ukraine was really our ally, why are we setting up the conditions where there has to be a war? Because if we pumped petroleum out of the ground and flooded the world market with American petroleum, the price of a barrel of oil would fall like a rock, and Iran and Russia could not afford to pursue these wars. Now, of course, they know this, don't they? Because if they don't know it, like that Dove woman, Representative Dove, is she dumb? Is she really on the Foreign Affairs Committee? Is she really anti-war? Because if you're anti-war, just pump oil, and guess what will happen? Instead of paying 4 and a half bucks a gallon or 7 and a half bucks a gallon out in California, the American people would be paying 2 and a half bucks a gallon. Inflation would stop. I'd have money to go out to eat at a restaurant. That person would stay in business and all the people they employ would keep their jobs. These problems are easy to solve. What's more important, nuclear war tomorrow or a climate change disaster in 20 years? Let us get our priorities straight. We can't solve the problems of tomorrow if we don't exist tomorrow. We have existential thought, threats, existential threats right now facing us. Easy to solve problems. We don't even talk about the solutions. What are they doing to solve the problems? Spending hundreds of billions of dollars on buying weapons. We get involved and we become delegates and we spread out the word and we make a people's movement. We can end this in one election cycle. One. Because the politicians that have their jobs are a bunch of preemie, preening banty cocks that don't work, they don't do anything, they get paid to be who they are. You know, I'm, I mean, if I, if I took off now and Professor Penn became a big deal and I could economically sustain as being Professor Penn, hey, what a great job. What a great job. That's not work. These people aren't working. They're there to promote a narrative which supports the military and medical industrial complex. That's all they're doing. It does not benefit me or my children. It does not benefit you or your children. I think the American people know it. We just haven't reached the level of intensity where we become motivated 
as Susan says, to take to the streets to peacefully protest and to exercise our rights as American citizens. So let's get there. Let's click the like button. Let's leave a comment. Support the broadcast. Buy your tires from TireGet. But most importantly, talk to your friends, your family, your co-workers. Be tireless in your pursuit of freedom and human well-being because our lives depend on it. Thank you very much, and I look forward to seeing you on Thursday.